1: Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast for Yahoo Sports Canada. I'm your host William Lou, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors lost to the Miami Heat by a score of 111-102. to No, the Miami Heat did not have Jimmy Butler, who uh, is obviously on the list of all-time Raptor killers. He might be just behind uh, LeBron James. Um, that's how much Jimmy has done to the Raptors. And, um... No Tyler Hero, he was uh, honestly really good in the playoffs. And no Avery Bradley and no myers or whatever. I mean, solid vets, you know, whatever. But no Hero, no Jimmy Butler, and you would think you would maybe take something from Miami who were 5-7 and seven coming into this game. The Raptors were 5-8 and eight coming into this game. Prime opportunity, take this game. And look, I didn't have any grand illusions that the Raptors are going to blow the Heat out, or gonna, you know, anything like that. The Heat are not a team that the Raptors ever blow out, ever, okay? It's a, uh, you know, if you've ever watched Raptors Heat games, they're always painful. Even last season, when the Raptors finished second in the NBA and wins, the Raptors lost to the Heat in a game where they couldn't crack 80 points, all right? So, um, you know how difficult the Heat are, uh, you know, and, and even without Jimmy, they still can compete. Clearly, and they competed quite well tonight with um what five, six, seven players scoring in double digits, okay? And um yeah, it was a bit of an ugly game. And really, we can start in the fourth quarter where the Raptors opened the fourth quarter. It was a close game still. I thought the Raptors were getting outplayed, but it was a close game, right? The Raptors were um down eighty eight to eighty three heading into the fourth quarter. And the Raptors then just proceeded to brick everything. OG and Obi made a three-foot dunk uh, about 30 seconds into the quarter. The heat went into a zone. The Raptors fed the pass to OG. I believe it was Kyle who found OG. OG spun and just threw down a two-handed dunk right over Petra Uh It was a fantastic play. And it was, you know, one of the only highlights I remember from this game for the Raptors. From that point onwards, the Raptors were at eighty-eight to eighty-five. The Raptors would then be stuck on eighty-five points until I am scrolling here the five seventeen mark of the fourth quarter, which means the Raptors went over six minutes without scoring. Not just a not just a basket, because you know free throws exist in the game of basketball. No free throws, nothing like that. Not a single point. They were stuck on eighty-five for six. Straight minutes. And it was hard to watch. It was... Uh, I mean, you know, Terrence Davis losing the ball. Um, OG Anobi kicking the ball. Chris Boucher missing threes. Uh, OG Anobi dribbling the ball out of out of bounds. You know? Um, what else here? OG missing a three. You got um, Kyle Lowry missing an open three. You got Norm Powell getting blocked at the rim. You got... Um, Fred missing a pull-up 17-footer late shot clock. Uh, you get TD slipping the ball out of bounds, you know, and then finally at that point, the six, you know, six minutes have gone by a very long time. Six minutes is not six minutes. That six minutes felt like a lifetime. Um, Pascal finally comes in and, and throws in a, a mid-range push shot. But by that point, the Raptors were down 11 points. And realistically the game was over because you knew the Raptors weren't even going to score 11 points the rest of the way. The Raptors in the fourth quarter were that bad offensively. And you might think, all right, the Raptors still scored 19 points in the fourth quarter. Honestly, the Heat got a double digits. They got up to 15 points, and then the Raptors made a couple of baskets along the way, you know, when the Heat kind of pulled their foot off the gas pedal. It's like, all right, if you want to make a fake comeback, you can. And so the final tally doesn't look that bad. But I'm telling you, the start of that fourth quarter, it was so ugly. And look, listen. I have to give the Heat a ton of credit, okay, because they played a great zone defense. Um, first off, they have Andre Godala at the top of that zone. And Andre, even at his big age, I think he's almost 40 years old now. How old is Andre Godala at this point, man? I know he's a tech investor and things like that. Um, let me just look up Iguodala's age. Because, as you remember, um, the Raptors should have picked Iguodala uh, with the eighth pick in the twenty um, the 2004 draft and said they took Rafael Ruggio. Uh, Andre Godala is 36 years old He's turning um, 37 In um, the, the end of this month So um, You know, so we're talking about a 37 Year old, but still Andre's really, really good um, Defensively, and him at the top of the zone Just completely cut off So much for the Raptors uh, And the Heat were just way more physical in the zone I thought, the, the, you know, they just they Played really well defensively But the Raptors just couldn't get anything done and what I mean, I can't get anything done against the zone. I mean, the Raptors couldn't even step foot inside the three-point line. It was locked and guarded. Okay, like the Miami Heat playing zone defense had better defense than <laughs> than uh, than than the USA plays defense in Capitol Hill. Like that's honestly, like it was so hard for anybody to get past the three-point line. And granted, start of the fourth quarter, you don't necessarily have your best players on the floor, right? But you still had some guys who had gotten going before that. Boucher has been good this season. He was not good tonight. Uh, You have Kyle Lowry, who's, you know, your best player on the team. You have um, Terrence Davis, who actually had a good offensive game tonight. You have Norman Powell, who's capable of scoring. Um, And I forget who the fourth... Oh, and OJ Anobi, right? So, like, it's not that bad of a lineup offensively on on paper. But they just could not get anywhere inside the three-point line. The Raptors called timeout, they brought Fred and Pascal in, and the results didn't really change that much. The Raptors just literally were just, they they were clueless, right? First off, they were running their offense very slowly. Uh, So, you know, the the Raptors uh, facing the zone, um, you know, most shots went late into the shot clock before they just heaved up something, usually from three. And, you know, it, it it was bad. But there was no dribble penetration, no pick and roll, nothing like that. The Raptors just couldn't get anything going. And it was very painful to watch. Honestly, you know, I'm... A, I'm surprised, but B, I'm also disappointed. It's hard to be surprised and disappointed at the same time, but I am. Because you'll think about it. The Raptors played extensively against the zone last week. They played those two games against Charlotte. Now, of course, A, Charlotte plays a different zone than Miami does, Okay. Miami kind of... Um, I think they kind of have three players along the perimeter and only two kind of along the baseline, whereas um, Charlotte's zone mostly has one up top and then more guys stacked in the paint, and they're kind of trying to prevent... Um, they're trying to double the paint more than they are trying to um, keep the ball at the three-point line. The Miami Heat just kind of shuts you out all entirely. So, it, it, you know, in the construction of it, it's, it's different. But still, I think the same principles apply. The Raptors played the, the, the Hornets, and you would think... That that experience of playing the Hornets would allow them to have some experience of playing the zone. It's not like they haven't played zone all season or anything like that. They played it last week. And, of course, after the Raptors almost choked away that first game against Charlotte, where Charlotte played a zone for extended periods, the Raptors spent the next practice practicing against playing the zone. And so you know a lot of time and effort has come into this. The Raptors practiced last night. Heading into this game against Miami, so you know that they probably practice against the zone again because Miami run the zone quite a lot, especially last season. They ran, I mean, the last few years they ran the zone tons. So you kind of know when you go up against an Eric Bolster team, they're going to run a zone. Despite all that, the Raptors just they had no they had no clue they had, they had no clue what to do. Um, it, it was it was really ugly to watch, and you know it was it was a very disappointing night. Um, and and really though. It's not just the fact that the Raptors, you know, uh, wilted against the zone. Look, I mean, look—you got to give Miami a ton of credit. You got to give Eric Spolscher a ton of credit for for deploying that zone. It's really the fact that the Raptors were even in a position in that first place because I thought the Raptors should have established a lead before this. They had um, scored efficiently heading into the fourth quarter, and of course, you got to close the fourth quarter. You know, obviously, right? But. You know, you look at this game, the Raptors were down even heading into the fourth quarter. And why was that? You can't blame the zone for that. That's not what happened, okay? It's not like the zone um, stopped the Raptors in the first three quarters. That's not really what happened. The Raptors didn't run that much zone in the first three quarters. What happened was the Raptors are just sloppy time and time and time again on defense. And... Again, you got to give Miami a ton of credit. They ran their offense quite well. Obviously, they're missing Jimmy Butler. They're missing Tyler Hero. Those are two of their main options offensively, right? But when you go up against an Eric Spolstra team, they're always going to run system offense against you, and they're always going to be well-orchestrated. They're going to trust the system heavily. And what I mean by that tonight is, you know, the Heat are very, very good at running dribble handoffs, pick and rolls. They screen on and off the ball. They're just always moving. There's always two things happening at once. And so you really need to be coordinated and and orchestrated in terms of everything you do defensively. you got to be on a string. And what the Heat will do is they'll run these screens on and off the ball, and it's almost like shuffling a deck until you eventually get something good. And then at that point, you press your advantage, and Miami will then find a crack in the defense uh, and then just exploit that crack, draw help, swing, 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 and a guy's either getting a layup or it's a 3 The Heat are very tough to defend, even without some of their best players. That's why you see them tonight, there was almost no drop-off, because their system is just that good. Having said that, though, the Raptors defensively are supposed to be good. I mean, the Raptors have really hung their hats on defense the last few seasons. I know the results haven't been fully there this season, but we've seen the Raptors defend well. We saw them defend really well against Luka Doncic, against the Mavericks, just the last game. What we saw tonight was... Breakdown after breakdown after breakdown. This wasn't like Jimmy Butler scoring 40 points in the second half because nobody could guard a pick and roll. This was the Raptors just kept making mistake after mistake after mistake. Guys would just blow right by, walk right by, back cut right by, open threes, handoff, you know, miscommunication. Guys are open for three. Guys are switching when they're not supposed to be switching. Guys are not switching when they're supposed to be switching. It's bad. And you let a roster like this, and, and, you know, and it's not to disparage the kind of talent that Miami had, because I think they still have good talent regardless. But what I'm trying to say is that it's not, they're missing two of their main offensive guys. And yet, Miami, look at their offense tonight 49% shooting from the field, 45% from three, including 18 makes. Where did the Raptors disrupt them? And really, honestly, it, you know, they should have done better. They really should have right? They really should have. The only good thing I thought the Raptors did defensively was keep Bam Adebayo mostly in check with his own scoring. However, that's different from saying that Bam Adebayo was shut out from this game. Absolutely not. He was the most influential player for Miami on both ends. Why? Because a star like Bam... A he can create for others. Seven assists from the center position. This guy will run pick and roll and throw a cross court pass. Beautiful stuff. Okay, Bam has a crazy skill set, but Bam was able to facilitate, orchestrate offense for his team, set up guys, put pressure on the basket, and of course, you're always going to have to guard this guy because he's always he's I mean he's obviously a huge threat to to score in the paint, and he has a mid range game a little bit, which he actually showed a little bit tonight. Um, And you kind of compare his game to a guy like Pascal's game, and it was very, very different. You, know, you might say, okay, Pascal had 18 points, Bam had 14, you know, roughly equivalent. Both of them shot under five, 500 from the, or 50% from the field. You know, uh, what was the big difference? The big difference was that Bam made, was you were able to run a system around Bam, even when he's not necessarily scoring for himself. Because I thought Aaron Baines actually did a really good job. Probably better than anyone else on this roster in terms of guarding um, Bane and, and guarding Bam because Baines actually has is one of the rare players in the NBA who's strong enough to absorb uh, Bam's shoulder and not be moved out of the way. I mean, Baines is 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 a, is a rock like he's literally a rock. Okay, and I mean, he pound the rock, Dwayne Casey. You know that's you know it was Aaron Baines he was talking about, um, and he matched Baines and even honestly when it was OG guarding uh, Adibayo. Uh, when it was uh, when it was Siakam guarding bio, even those guys did well on the ball. It's just that Bam was able to run the offense, dribble handoffs to set up his three point shooters, huge screens to pop guys open, rolling to the basket, pulling people open, w- w- defenders with them. You know, the three point shots being there, being a more of a factor on the offensive glass. Five offensive rebounds for his team by himself. Um, and then defensively, because the, the the Raptors were you know struggling so much with the zone. Well, part of the reason the Raptors were struggling with the zone is because a there was two players for any perimeter player to have to beat on the perimeter. Okay, and the Raptors were not swinging the ball well. But even if the Raptors did beat that initial line of defense, Bam Adebayo was in the paint all the time. Now I might say, okay, maybe you call some three second violations because it, there was entire possessions where he, he this guy this guy lived in the paint. This guy should pay rent in the paint, but. Still, he was around the basket, and he's just such a rim deterrent. Like, he's just, just such a shot deterrent at the rim. And you compare that to a guy like Pascal, it's different, right? It's not like Pascal's involved in every single play, like Bam is. Bam will catch the ball, screen, 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 all this other stuff. Siakam kind of is involved in every play, but a lot of plays flow through Kyle. A lot of plays flow through Fred. A lot of plays Pascal doesn't even touch the ball. The physicality is night and day between what Bam does and what Pascal does. Um and Pascal might have a little bit better in terms of just a, purely speaking, a scoring skill set, um, Bam is easily the better playmaker. And part of that comes from the physicality. When he screens somebody, there's a 2 on one advantage. When Pascal screens somebody, half the time he missed. And, you know, you look at it, two assists versus seven assists... It's different. And even defensively. I thought Pascal had an off night defensively. Didn't, you know, I mean, look, I I don't want to single him out because I think a lot of the Raptors tonight were off defensively. When you give up 88 points through the first three quarters to a team without Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero, among others, I I don't think that's a good defensive effort. Um, And if you look at the tape of some of the stuff, Pascal, you know, rotating to the wrong guy, switching the wrong times, you know, even when he was, uh, you know, contesting shots, people were going through him and stuff like that, so... It's uh, it, it was not a great game. It was not a great game to watch. And, you know, it, it kind of really limited what the Raptors... It, it kind of showed the limits of what the Raptors had. In terms of positives, I would say, um, you know, I thought uh, OG had a really nice game. OG provided great effort. I think he's really found his groove. It's no wonder that OG played 40 minutes. A, I think it's a great matchup for him because um, Miami, for example, kind of dominated across the board with their physicality. They were just more physical. They played much better. Um, except for the matchups with OJ and OJ and Obi would outmuscle these guys and actually give it back to them. I mean, that spinning dunk in the fourth quarter was the only good thing the Raptors did in the fourth quarter. Um, OG was active on the uh, offensive rebounds, especially in the fourth quarter when things got really awry. It seemed like OG was taking his game even to a higher level in terms of his energy, in terms of uh, batting balls out, really contesting, winning jump balls, over like that. It was just, it was a good good effort from OG. And I thought offensively, especially the three-point shooting, has really come around for him. He's um, apparently leading the NBA over the last uh, five games in corner threes made. And it feels that way because he's really confidently rose up and hit those. And honestly, there's a couple of looks now where teams are up on him. And they're, it's contested. And probably two years ago, OG would not take that shot. Now, he's just taking that shot confidently. And he's shooting over the top of guys. I'm not saying he's Duncan Robinson, man, but. He's, uh, he's been quite nice. OG was four of eight from three tonight. a uh, Three assists, a steal. You know, he was even making good decisions out there. That's also one difference, but I, I don't want to go too much on negatives, although after losses, you know what to expect. Um, that's one of the big differences. Is it feels like Miami makes quick snap decisions, and they work well as a team. When the screen's supposed to be there because they they're going to swing the ball, the screen is there. And when the ball is swung to the weak side, the guy can attack instantly. There's a step on the defense. right? They're always working in sync in concert. With the Raptors, it's so much dribbling and guys trying to beat their man and then kicking it out. There's The system itself is not creating any easy opportunities. On top of the fact that guys are just making slow decisions. If Kyle makes fast decisions and OG makes reasonably fast decisions. Everyone else kind of drags their feet a little bit or they're just taking what's creative for them. And and the the, the difference in shot creation was quite stark, but regardless. Um I thought OG played really well. Um he's really come into his groove. Uh you know, he had 18 points tonight. He was he was good. Fred had some moments where he was trying to force it, but honestly, the Raptors offense was quite bad. Still, I do want to see Fred Try to create more for others as well, but it's hard to say that when he's got nine assists, and honestly, he's been playing, this is a game where he did have to generate a lot of his offense, considering how bad the rest of the offense was, and so, for Fred, like, you know, he, um, yeah, he maybe took, like, two or three shots that were, like, ill-advised, but... On the whole, he was the main engine for the Raptors offense. Kyle created good opportunities, set the tempo well, but he missed so many shots. He was 2 of 12 from the field, 1 of 10 from 3. Kind of an ugly game in terms of the shooting. He had good opportunities. He just didn't get him to go. And then I thought it was real interesting that um, the Raptors played so much of Terrence Davis tonight instead of Norman Powell. First off, I thought it was interesting that Nick... Played Terrence Davis and lean on him so hard Even though against the Mavs, he committed 5 fouls in 12 minutes, and Nick is such a He has such high standards defensively but Although, when I did ask Nick about The, the following thing uh, Nick said that, you know He's going to continue relying on on TD So he actually went to bat for TD, which uh, You know, when other players have made Mistakes uh, at the shooting guard position um, Sometimes they get banished for life um, like, like Matt Thomas But regardless, um you know, Davis got a lot of run, and, and he got a lot of the run in the minutes that Norm would usually get. Norm played 19 minutes tonight. He wasn't good. Okay, let's, let's be real. He wasn't good. Minus Seven uh, minus 17 and 19 minutes. Um, he had another play today where, you know, the ball was swung to him. Um, Andre Godala tied him up, and, you know, it was a late shot clock situation right at halftime, and, and Norm decided to call for timeout to try to preserve possession, which he successfully did. Except for the fact that there were 0.4 seconds left, and he was already in the backcourt at that point. So, it was a bit of a... I don't know. The Raptors only drew up, like, a a full-court heave for those 0.4 seconds. I mean, you know, that wasn't the greatest use of a shot clock. But still, you can't knock a guy's hustle, necessarily. Um, But, yeah, TD got most of Norm's minutes tonight, and that was kind of interesting to me. I mean, TD was playing better than Norm was. He was delivering way more. 16 points, 4 rebounds, assists, 3 steals, a block. Um... You know, his activity was good in terms of defensively. There was, you know, he's like Norm in the sense that you'll give up a lot on defense. You know, like um, Kendrick Nunn, for example, was TD's main assignment tonight. And Kendrick Nunn handed 28 points. So that's tough. Although that wasn't entirely on him. But there were plays where Nunn would just back cut Davis right away for a layup. And, you know, that is on him. Or TD would rotate poorly. But he at least was providing offensively. The only reason I found it interesting was if the Raptors are looking at, giving, showing this much faith in TD in that spot, and given the redundancy between TD and Norm, could that mean that you want to give an extended look to one of those two guys because there's a redundancy there and you can use either of those two guys in a potential trade package? I mean, that's me stretching a little bit more than, you know, obviously it could just be a basketball decision to play them. You might need them for offense, but... Um, I found it interesting. Uh, t- in any case, TD played a lot of minutes tonight. And was had a really good first shift. Second shift, not so much. But no one had a good second shift. Uh, you know, Boucher um, cooled off tonight. Definitely in a hard, hard cool off. Um, he's been obviously giving you 20 points every night tonight. 8 points, 1 rebound. Definitely not the same. I think the product of this game here was that what Chris Boucher does really well is three things. One... He's really good at in transition, for example, beating the team down the floor. Now, the Heat were really, really good at getting back in transitions. There was no transition opportunity for anybody. So, um, no no chances there for Boucher. Two, really going to put back dunks. The Heat were extremely physical. They really, really were good on the defensive glass. The Raptors actually got more offensive rebounds than them. But, for the most part, there was no opportunities, really, for Boucher to get in the offensive glass. And then three, he's really good in the pick and roll. And he did get some threes out of it, some pick and pop threes, but you know, Miami will mostly live with that. The thing what Miami really did well was take Boucher away from the paint. And so and by doing that, what they did was they cut off the pick and roll for Kyle and Fred. They they ran them out the three point line for the most part, got him inside the paint, and you know, they, they dropped back and Boucher just wasn't open that, that often. And the Heat played really good defense. And and this is what The fear is, at the moment at least, is, let's say the Raptors go into a playoff setting. Although, honestly, given this game, I don't want to see the Raptors in a playoff setting. It could be pretty embarrassing. But let's say you go into a playoff setting. A lot of those easy points are cut off. And so what can Boucher consistently deliver? And that's where you are a little bit concerned. Or, honestly, a lot concerned considering how important he is to this team at the moment. But, yeah, Boucher just was not there tonight. I thought Miami did a really great job scheming him, taking a lot of stuff away. And, yeah, when the Raptors can't run pick and roll, A, because, you know, Kyle and Fred aren't as, you know, playing that well, you know, or because the, you know, the other team is really playing back and, and trying to prevent, the, you know, things with the rim or playing a lot of zone. So if pick and roll just kind of goes nowhere. Um, Yeah, Boucher is going to suffer because of it. You know, he's he's uh, it's like when you. um, Yeah, I don't know. That's actually a bad analogy. Never mind. But, yeah, it was uh, it was a tough game. But, you know. You know, the Raptors uh they lost the game. What can I say? In terms of your um three stars, uh first star I will give it to OG. Eighteen points, seven rebounds, three assists, a steal, six of twelve from the field in forty minutes, four of A from three, two of two from the free throw line. I loved his activity, I loved his energy. I thought he was the most dialed in off um defensively, which is his role. And offensively, he was obviously quite productive, um, especially in the context of the game where the Raptors couldn't score. OG giving you 18 was pretty important. The fact that he made quick decisions, I really liked that too. Um, So I'll give OG the first star. Second star, um, probably going to have to go with Fred. 24 points, 5 rebounds, 9 assists, a steal. You know, in 37 minutes, the the shooting efficiency, 7 of 18 is not ideal. You know, 3 of 8 from 3. But he got to the free throw lines uh, 8 times, you know. The onus was just so much on Fred to create that sometimes he had to force it a little bit. And so the efficiency comes down, but I thought Fred played, I mean, Fred generated more offense than anyone else on the team. That is kind of indisputable. And then third star, you know, is, you know, I I, I think TD is a decent shot at it, um, you know, for his play off the bench. But I have to say that I, I don't know, man. I honestly do feel like Kyle still got it bet over him for the third star. Um, eight points, 10 assists, seven, uh, 10 rebounds, 7 assists, a steal, a block. Yes, Kyle shot 2 of 12 from the field and 1 of 10 from 3. And I'm not trying to excuse that. That's obviously a huge part of why the Raptors lost is Kyle needs to make his shots. And tonight he did make his shots. What I will say is, Kyle made the quickest and best decisions for the Raptors tonight, and the Raptors just had a lot of like stuck without any idea what to do. And Kyle kind of turned the, the 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 key on the lock a few times. If you want to give it to Ted Davis, you can have you can you can have that at, you know whatever. It's maybe they can share the word or something. But objectively, I thought in terms of who contributed more to the flow of the game, I think Kyle did more. But you know, it, obviously it's a it's a weak third star. Uh, In terms of your Gerald Henderson award winner, that's got to go to Kendrick Nunn. 28 points on 9-12 shooting. That's unbelievable. Um, 8 rebounds, 5 assists. Yeah, wow. That was a a hell of a game from Kendrick. Um, Yeah. uh, In terms of the rematch, the Raptors are going to play against Miami um, on Friday. I mean, look. Hopefully, the Raptors use this next day off to practice zone. Maybe in particular Miami zone, but practice some zone. Maybe have some schemes. Anything, you know, like like you just can't be as unprepared as you are today. I think honestly, in terms of adjustments, I think Stanley has played some really great minutes of late. But in this specific setup, playing Stanley is very difficult against Miami because Stanley's going to give you very very little offensively. Um, And so, I honestly would look at. Watanabe, for example. You might need him on the floor. It's a bit of a drop-off defensively between Stanley and Watanabe, but Utah at least gives you the three-point shooting. Anywhere you can fit more three-point shooting in this lineup against Miami, try to do it. You know, Nick Nurse said he almost pulled the trigger on putting Matt Thomas into the game. I don't know what that really means other than he just didn't play him tonight. Um, But try to find an opportunity for for, for Matt Thomas because you're going to need to more shooting to unlock the zone. And um, you might say, well, here the Raptors already shot 49 threes tonight against the Heat. What more can you do? Honestly, shoot 63s against Miami because they don't really have the firepower in the paint, the Raptors, to score against Miami in the paint. So you're going to need to hit, like, 23s. And is that a healthy spot to be in? No, absolutely, okay? <laughs> that's obviously that you're playing from a weaker position. But that's where the Raptors are in terms of this talent. And, you know, without that kind of interior scoring, from Pascal, who can be neutralized in the zone, we saw it against Charlotte. It, obviously, you know Miami is going to do the same thing to them, in a higher degree. Um, yeah, you're, you're going to need more, going to need more shooting. So um, it's a it's a disappointing loss. Although I think within the context of the season and given everything that's gone on, uh, it's also not that surprising. Even though Miami was missing starters and things like that, they were still the better team tonight, and that says a lot about where the Raptors are at five and nine. So. It's disappointing to lose the three-game winning streak. It's disappointing that the Raptors had been playing quite well, but they ran into a, a good team, a really well-coached team finally, and they kind of just picked the Raptors apart. So hopefully the Raptors have a response. I'm really looking forward to it. I really don't want to see them lose two games in a row. Hopefully they make some adjustments in, in, in the time in between. Hopefully Pascal's okay, by the way. He, he, um, he got open for a dunk, and there was some contact, and he lost his grip uh, on the rim, and he fell awkwardly. His legs kind of did the splits a little bit, and you know, he talked about afterwards that it was it was the groin and that the groin has not been feeling great for him of late. Which, um, I mean, that's concerning because he did have a groin injury last season, as you remember, kept him out a month, and then afterwards, his athleticism wasn't as you know over, over, over the top and elite as, as it was last season. Uh, Pascal ultimately did play 37 minutes, so he was clearly fine enough to play, but. Uh, we'll see. It's something to monitor. I mean, look, listen. The Raptors cannot afford any any injuries to this already very short roster. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But it was kind of a freak play, um, and hopefully he's okay. Honestly, hope get some better. Like, can, I understand it's a, you know it's a, it's, a, it's a global pandemic, things like that. But can we can we get like better people who mop the floor, please? Because I don't want to see Kyle Lowry slipping on the floor, man. I, I just don't want to see that happen. Like that shouldn't happen on a transition play, no less. You know that, that someone should come in and mop the floor when the other team is on offense or and when the other team's on offense you mop the other side of the floor um and I you know I, you know, I don't want to see these players getting hurt and Pascal losing his footing is one thing oh you know Kyle losing his footing is one thing please keep these guys safe man so yeah it's a disappointing loss um and yeah so I'll check back on Friday after the Raptors play the next game against the Heat thanks for listening